This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Fantastic. Hey, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're so glad that you're with us as we're continuing this series, Happily Ever After. And let me just go ahead and make another shameless plug for the Q&A series, uh, our Q&A whole deal next weekend. Like, listen, like we've got some good questions, but you know what? Most of the questions we've gotten so far are really, really simple things that we can answer. And so, and, and they're good questions. And, and so, man, challenge us. I know that there are things that you're going through right now or that you have questions about that maybe we have answers about, maybe we don't. And we'll just get up here. If you, answer, if you ask a really, really great question that we don't have an answer to, we'll go try to find the answer. And if we can't find the answer, we'll just make something up. And so it'll be awesome. Um, not really. I won't. I promise. Well, maybe I'm not going to promise. Maybe I will make something up. So uh, anyways, this this over the last couple of weeks, we talked about a lot, a lot of different things. And, and really what we're trying to do is we're trying to establish what it's like to have happily ever after. How do we have relationships that are successful in life? And how do we how do we take a husband and how do we take a wife and make them have the ultimate marriage possible? And over the last couple of weeks, we've discussed a lot of different things. You know, we've we've really been talking about the process of what it really takes to have a great relationship. And, and I think that we've really established a couple of things that are very important. We've established the fact that, man, you know, if you get a godly guy. That's one step of the process. You got to have a godly guy. The other step of the process is you got to have a godly girl. If you if they're not godly, there's going to be a problem in the relationship. When you get both of those things, two people that are madly in love with God and that are falling madly in love with each other, you end up getting married. And then you get the fourth part uh, of the equation here or problem or solution or however you want to look at it when it pertains to your relationship. For some of y'all, the fourth part is awesome. For some of you guys, the fourth part is horrible. For some of you guys, you guys just skip one, two, and three, and you just went straight to four. And four is sex. Oh, yeah. He said sex in church. <laughs> of course I did. I love sex. Like, we're going to talk. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you. Anybody love some salt and pepper old school? Like, we're going there today. And so, you know, the, the church has been really, really silent on sex. And, and that's a problem for me because sex is happening everywhere. It's, it's prevalent in our society. And, and the one place that has the most solutions to sex is the one place that isn't talking about it. Instead, we're letting the world influence us and, and tell us what and how sex should be and what it should look like and how we should do it and, and all of these things. And when we do, what happens is it gets jacked up. In fact, I, I, was, I was thinking about it today, and the reality is, is, is the world's view of, of sex, the world's view of relationships is pretty messed up. In fact, one of the most popular songs uh, in the, the entire top 40 today, I, I just grabbed its lyrics here on my cell phone this morning. I just, I just looked it up. It, it's a song by a guy named Robin Thicke, who happens to be the most popular guy uh, probably in music right now, and he's got a song... Um, out there right now, let me just bring this up because it's, it's, uh, it's pretty crazy, this song. It's called Blurred Lines. And, uh, and the, the, the thing about it is, is that, man, the lyrics to this song are pretty amazing if you've never read them before. And uh, this is one of the things he says, and it pretty much ep epitomizes what we believe sex is today. He says, he says this, um, 
Let's see, where does it go? Where does it say it? Pretty good. Oh, now he was close. They tried to domesticate you, but you're an animal, baby. It's just in your nature. Let me liberate you. And uh, yeah, that's, that's what we're listening to today. And I know that that's a popular song because a lot of people, we just see sex as an animalistic thing. It's the birds and the bees. It's, it's you know, it's just two, we're just animals out there and we can just do whatever we want. And, and I know a little bit about animals. Um, anybody out there ever gone hunting? Any, any hunters out there? A couple people? There's like five of us that have shot at something. Maybe we've never hit anything. But uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> um, like, I, I remember the first time I went hunting. I was living in Texas and... Uh, and we decided there was a group of guys, I was in an internship, and we decided to go turkey hunting. And, and I don't know if you've ever gone turkey hunting, but turkey hunting is a really, really interesting deal because the way you find a really, really good turkey is a turkey call that you make that is a mating call. And it goes, and you'll hear all the, the turkeys out there, they'll be, you'll, you'll hear their males, they'll start going, gobble, 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 gobble. and you're trying to find them because you're just trying to blow their heads off. Um, and, and what happens is, is that when you're making that sound, I don't know. That's the sound that he makes. It's like, it's weird. But, but what will happen is, is it's, it's the girl is basically saying, come and get me. Come and get me, bro. Come, come on, God, where are you at? And what will happen is, is the dudes, the dude turkeys, I don't know what they're called, they're dude turkeys, they come out and they throw their feathers up and they strut and they like, you know, it's kind of like going to the club and the guys are like, what's up, what's up, babe? What's up, you? What's up? And so like turkeys go out and they're strutting. They're strutting, you know, and trying to entice the woman, trying to entice the female turkey. And, and it's, and so we're out there and man, I'm doing the er, er thing because I, I like, I can't shoot worth a crap. And so, I'm like, and we're hearing all these turkeys, but none of the turkeys are coming out. We're like, what is up with these turkeys, man? Are they not horny or what is the deal? And we're talking about sex today. Listen, we're going to, let, let me just go ahead and say this. If you got kids in here, you might want to send them to our middle school service. Or if you have kids that are younger, you might want to send them to the coastal kids service because this is an adult conversation. And if you're not ready for your kids to hear about things that they're hearing about anyways, then you probably want to send them to another environment where they can hear things that are age appropriate. That's why we have all of those environments is because they have age appropriate material. You guys are all adults. And so we're going to talk about adult things. And we're going to talk about what God says about those things. And so... Hollow. Okay, anyway, so I'm, um, so I'm, um, you know, and, and, and like I'm hearing them, but they ain't coming out. And I'm like, what's up with this? And, 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 so, and so finally, um, we're like, man, this is horrible. We've been out there for like six hours. You know, it's hot. It's like noon at this point because you start really early in the morning because, you know, that's, I don't know. And, and, and so it's like noon. And so we're like, let's just give it one more shot. And so we're like, and finally, like this turkey, this turkey finally comes out. From, we hear it, you know, and all of a sudden the turkey struts out and bam, blow its head off. Is awesome. What we don't realize uh, uh, about sex when, when it's done wrong is, is that, man, it's, it's a trap. It's an ensnarement. And, and a lot of times it ends up hurting us really, really bad because we're getting all these signals out there all the time of like, man, this is just what animals do. Well, what animals do gets them shot. Straight up. Straight up. How do you hunt deer? You go and put doe scent on places. You don't want to know why so you can attract the male. 
If we're animalistic, that's how we do it. And, and you know what it always causes? It always causes destruction in our lives. And so today, we're going to look at what God says about sex. Because here's the deal. God has a lot to say about sex. You would be amazed. How, there's an entire book of the Bible called Song of Solomon. I wish we could get into it today, but it would take a long, it's, it's like, it's awesome. It's all about sex. It's only for you to read when you're married. When you're not married, you don't read that book, okay? You read like Genesis, okay? And which is where we're going to hang out today. And, 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 and you can't go very far in the Bible before God really starts talking about relationships and he starts talking about intimacy. And we've been hanging out in Genesis chapter 2 a lot over the last couple of weeks because it, it's such an important passage when it comes to relationships. It's so critical for us to understand how God designed relationships. And so we're going to go in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 22, jumping into verse 25. It says this, then God made a woman and brought her to the man. This is it, Adam exclaimed. Like when, when, when God brought a woman to Adam and he recognized it and he was awake and he's like, hello, you know, and so he was like, this is good. He exclaimed, you know he was happy in that moment, you know, like anytime you exclaim, like that's a good day. And so it says, Adam exclaimed, it says, the man and his wife were both naked, but neither was embarrassed or were they ashamed. Now, Adam's first reaction when he saw Eve was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And what I find is so interesting about this passage of Scripture that we've all heard, that we all just skip over, is the fact that, man, when they were together and it was done in God's way, which is a godly man and a godly woman coming together in marriage, when they're in intimacy and they're, and they're going to procreate and they're going to have sex, you know what happens? There is no shame in that relationship. You want to know why? Because it's done in the proper and correct context. It's done in the right order that happens. And when you do that kind of relationship the way that God intended it, you're never going to experience the guilt and the shame and the pain that come from a lot of relationships. And I know a lot of people here today, they're experiencing guilt and shame in their relationships because they've got it out of order. Anytime you take sex and you transpose that into any portion that is before one, two, and three, it jacks everything up. It messes everything up. And what ends up happening is, is when a breakup happens, in that relationship, what happens? Your heart is torn apart, isn't it? Because you want to know why? You got it out of order. And God is saying, you know what? There are some things that we need to get into order. And today we're going to be talking about God's design for sex and how does that look and what, is it, what does it mean for us and what did God intend for sex to be? And there's a couple of things that God intended for sex to be. The first thing that God intended sex to, be, to do was to produce children. This is one of the first things he, he established in the very beginning. The first commandment he gave human beings was to this. In Genesis 1.28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase. Fill the earth and subdue it. And so basically when Adam was naming all the animals and all the things, he came to the realization that there was no helpmate that was suitable. So he created Eve to, in order to have somebody that he could procreate with, that he could, he could produce children with. Now, some of y'all, y'all are doing really, really good at this element of sex. Um, and you don't have to identify yourself as some of you already did. You know, the ones that have like six kids, you're like, yeah, man, we're awesome at this. We got this down. Some of us like Shayla and I, we're not very good at this. We have no kids. And so uh, we're jacking up this first commandment. But some of us, we're like, we're really good at this. And we realize that this is, this is the thing, man, we get this. And humans, we've done a good job at this commandment. Like we've had no problem filling the earth. Like, there's like 7 billion people out there. We're doing pretty good on the fruitful and multiply. 
But for a lot of people, this has been the only benefit of sex that they've experienced. This has been the only benefit because they've gotten it out of the correct order and they've never realized the other benefits that God truly intended for their life. The second benefit that, that a lot of us miss out on is this, this idea that God wants to promote unity through sex. God invented sex between a husband and wife to promote unity because he realized, man, that there is this bond that happens between a husband and a wife when they have intercourse, when they have sex that, that is so strong. In fact, scientists say that there, there, are chemi- there are special chemicals that are released, there are special pheromones that are released during intercourse that, that bond another person to that person, that it's, it's something that is supposed to be, when it's enacted, like it is a, it's like super, super glue, that it's supposed to go together and never ever come apart and what happens is 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 that when we have sex and we do that in the correct way all of a sudden man it puts you together it bonds you emotionally it bonds you spiritually it bonds you physically to that other person and that's why so many times in scripture it says in fact that i think it's five or six times in scripture it says this in mark 10 7 and 8 it says for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are one. Another verse says, you know, what God has joined together, and we use this a lot in marriage ceremonies. We go, what God has joined together, let no man separate. You want to know why? Because when that, is, when that bond happens between two people, man, there is this, there's this supernatural thing that God imparted spiritually to us that is only to take place in the context of, of a marriage relationship because there's a bonding that happens. There's an intimacy that happens. And basically, a lot of people have explained it like this. It's like you're giving away a piece of yourself. When you stick something to it, when you pull it apart, you always rip pieces of that and leave them there and God never intended for us to rip pieces away he intended for us to bond tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter and it's supposed to be a very very exclusive way and that's one of the reasons why why sex is so dangerous when it's taken out of the right context when it's taken out of the right order that's why the message says there's more to sex than mere skin on skin you know, if it's up to the world, it's just, man, it's just, you're just animals, just do it. You know, Robin Thicke's got it right. He's going to liberate you. But here's what God says. He says, man, there's so much more to it. It says, sex is as much a spiritual mystery as a physical act. It is written in scripture, the two become one. Scientists have, have really, really proven this out, that, that what happens when when sex happens and what takes place when, when people are in this moment is, is that there is a bonding that takes place that is almost like a branding of your mind. In fact, I found this one study that this, this scientist talked about the fact that like when you're in the act of, of sex, there is a branding that is literally happening in your mind that is, that is bonding you to that other person. In fact, he's like, it's like you're taking a mental snapshot of that moment continuously and branding it within yourself so that that memory will never leave you. He says it's one of the most powerful branding things that he's ever seen in his life. In fact, because guys are so visual, he encourages guys to walk around and wear a bracelet because, because of the visual nature that every time you see a girl, which is a lot, that, that you wear a rubber brand and you, and you hit your wrist so that you re, refocus your mind so that you don't brand images to your mind because that's how God designed us to be to brand us to another person. He says, man, it's so powerful that, that we don't get so programmed in there. 
In fact, he says one of the most powerful things you can do during intimate course to, to promote unity is look into the eyes of the person you love. Because there is a snapshot that takes place that all of a sudden, man, you connect to that person in a deeper level, on a deeper measure than you ever have before because it's being branded into your mind and into your heart and into your spirit. It's such a powerful thing because God is, what he's doing through sex is he's trying to create this supernatural bond that no person could ever tear apart. And so sex is there to, to get kids and sex is there to promote unity, but sex is also there to provide enjoyment. And, and I know that some of y'all are be like, man, I've got this one down. And uh, a lot of you guys think that. You think it's, 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 it's fun. It, it brings happiness. But the reality is, is it might be happiness in that moment. But for a lot of people, they're not experiencing the joy of sex. They're experiencing the pain of regret. Especially when it comes to women. Women, this happens all the time. Like, you think, man, I've got to give myself away to a guy because that's how I'm going to show him love. And that guy, all he wants to do is get into your pants. And once he's gone there, he doesn't really want you anymore. And then what was supposed to be a joyous occasion of you showing and experiencing love becomes one of the most guilt-ridden ex experiences of your life. And it maxes us up. In fact, today you can look around and you can see how, uh, how jacked up pleasure and sex has become. Like, think about it today. How many commercials on TV today will you see during football season, particularly geared towards guys that have to deal with sexual things? Think about it. Like, every third commercial, you want to know why? Because people aren't enjoying sex anymore. They're having to take pills. They're having to do all these different things to make it pleasurable again because we've taken it out of the context of God, how God really designed it, and we're trying to do everything within our power to get back to the enjoyment aspect when really what we're experiencing in that moment is just a happiness thing, and happiness is based on happenings, and when it's not happening, we're not happy anymore because it's just a momentary thing because it doesn't truly bring the lasting bond that we're so longing for and we're so desiring for our lives, and what we're doing is we're trying to replace the real thing that comes out of a relationship with God and a relationship with another person in the correct context brings extreme pleasure and we're trying to replace it with artificial things. And how many of you know that artificial things never bring true happiness? They never bring true pleasure in our lives. It's one of the reasons why Proverbs says that, man, this, may, the fountain, may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. Could it be that if we got back to God's original design that we would be captivated by our spouse's love? Could it be that if we weren't looking at all the, all the artificial things that we would be captivated by our love? That word captivated in the original Hebrew, what that literally means is it means intoxicated. Man, we would be in this intoxicated state where we would be enamored and just madly head over heels in love with somebody if we would go back to God's original design for what sex is for. And in the right context, sex is one of the greatest things that we will ever experience in our lives. And let me just offer you this thought. When sex becomes purely a physical thing or an animalistic thing, it always separates itself from intimacy. It always separates itself 
from intimacy. It will never satisfy us. In fact, I found this study in Red Book, and, and, and this was, it blew researchers' minds when they, when they had this research, and I've been doing a lot of studying on, on relationships and sex this weekend. In Red Book, this is what they said. They discovered a fact that surprised everybody. They discovered that the greater the intensity of your spiritual life, like the closer you are to God, how intimate of a relationship you have with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, this is what they said. They said, the more likely to be highly satisfied with sexual pleasure. What's up with that? That means that if you're in church and you're loving Jesus and you're doing it the right way, you're going to have the best sex ever. Hello. That should be like, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You know, that should, like we go everywhere there. In other words, what he's, what he's saying, what research is saying is something that we've known forever is that sexual, sex and spirituality go hand in hand. And God has been saying this forever. God has been saying this thing like, man, listen, I've got something to say about sex and, and what I have to say about it will promote it in a way that you've never experienced it if you'll do it my way. And this is the thing about it. And what God is really trying to speak to us, I believe, is that, man, you'll truly never understand love until you understand God. You'll truly never understand how to have the best sex ever until you truly understand the person who gave you the best love ever. And what we do is we pervert God's love because God's love is a word called agape. It means unconditional love. It means that you're, there is nothing you can say, there's nothing you can do to earn that love. And what we do is we replace that word with, with our version of love, which is eros love, or where we get the word erotica. And so we think, man, if I'm just sexier, if I dress this way, if I look like this, then that's surely going to bring love and satisfaction to our lives. And what we find out is that that love is false, and it always fails us because it's always based on our conditions. And if you've ever been in a relationship that's based on conditions, you know that that relationship sucks. And so we've got people today saying, like, do it like an animal. We've got older philosophers like Tina Turner telling us what's love got to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. It's got everything to do with it. It's got everything to do with how do we have a happily ever after in our lives. Because one of the best ways we're going to have a happily ever after is if we have a great sex life. And we'll never truly be satisfied with a physical thing because it's truly a spiritual thing. That's why Corinthians tells us, make love your greatest aim. And if love is the goal, then, man, we've got to look at God's design for sex. And we've got to ask ourselves, how do we grow? How do we grow our love for our spouse? How do we grow this love that God is talking about? And, and today I want to particularly talk to the, to the married people um, because uh, you're married and this is going to apply a lot to you. Uh, for you single people, this is good for you too. This is better that you start putting these things into practice right now, not the actual physical sex part, but the things I'm going to talk about, don't practice sex right now, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I know some of you guys were like, yes, free game. No, we're not doing that, okay? Wrong, not, no, okay. We got that covered. So, so how do we grow that? I want to give you six principles that I believe are straight from God's word that if we'll apply these, like it will grow our love for our spouse in a greater measure. And the first one is this, is we have to love them unconditionally. We have to love them unconditionally. We have basically got to get to this point where we say there is nothing that you can do that will make, you, make me love you anymore. There is not a single thing you can do because every great relationship begins with an unconditional commitment to an imperfect person. And trust me, the person that you're dating right now, single person, the person that you're engaged to, that you think is perfect right now, as soon as you get married, you're going to see all the imperfections of them and everything's going to change. And you got to stay committed to the idea that like, you know what, no matter what you do, no matter what you say, no matter how you act, 
I am going to love you. And this is, this is a hard thing to do because everything that we've learned in life is based on conditions, isn't it? Like if you work hard, you'll get a promotion. If you do well in school, you'll get a scholarship. If you do this, then you get that. Well, what we've done is we've gone and we've transferred that to relationships. Listen, if you do the dishes, like I might give you some. Like that's a real, that's, a, that's, that's real life right there. Every married person's like, yeah, I know. I just got that this morning. Because you, you rolled over and you asked your wife her three favorite words. Hey, you awake? You know, and you just, you know. She was like, no, go do the dishes. And so this is what Jesus challenged all of us to do in, in John 13, 34, and 35. He said, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And here's the thing. God never waited for us to measure up. And we start looking at how God loves, we realize that no matter how far or short we've fallen, that God loves us unconditionally. And we need to go and we need to reciprocate that in our relationships because we gotta remember that we married an imperfect person and they're never going to be perfect. And, and, and here's the thing, a lot of us, what we do in our relationships is we try to make them earn it. We do. Wives, you happen to be, this is, this is your game. Like you're gonna make him earn his sex. And that's a dangerous game to play. Because if you make it too hard, he'll just go to somebody that's easy. That's real talk right there. And I know that that's not your intention because you think it's a game when a relationship is an unconditional commitment. And guys, you think, you think that she should just give it all up. Well, what are you going to do to romance her? What are you going to do? Not that it's conditional, but like, how are you showing her that unconditional commitment? by how you act and how you speak and how you react to her. Because when we're using something as a, as a pawn or as a chip, that's impure love. And what happens in a lot of relationships is we take a very pure thing like sex and we turn it into a, a, a bargaining chip to get what we want. And that, all of a sudden, our love goes from unconditional to conditional. The second thing that I believe we have to do is we have to commit to them Fully. We have to commit to them fully because great and godly sex is built on absolute trust and commitment in a relationship. So what does that mean? That means, that means for me, let me explain it like this. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that I do not ever arouse jealousy in our relationship between myself and Shayla. That means that, that I have to make sure that Shayla knows that she's always number one in my life because there are so many things that are competing for number one in my life. A lot of times I can replace, you know, Shayla with work. A lot of times I can replace Shayla with um, an activity like golf because golf is pretty awesome. And, and so it doesn't talk back to you or, and it, you know, it's all based on what you do. And, and, you know, I can replace Shayla with an activity. I can replace Shayla with a lot of different, I can replace Shayla with my career. I can and replace her with an interest. And what I've got to do is I've got to continually make sure that there is nothing that is, is ever coming between where she rightfully stands in her status in our relationship. God is first and she's right there. And a lot of times what we're doing is we're replacing this thing that should be our ultimate 
which is our relationship here on earth beyond our relationship with God. Let's just go ahead and say that relationships with God is number one. So we're putting that to the side. I'm saying beyond that, like a lot of times we're replacing a lot of other things with them and we're sacrificing some artificial things for the real thing that's right before us. And what happens is, is they see that we're not fully committed to them because we're committing to all these other things. That's why Malachi says, says, has not the Lord made them one in flesh and in spirit? They are his. And why one? Why would God say one? He says, because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. With the wife of your youth. He says, don't give your love and don't give your emotions to other things. Don't allow that to happen in your life. What he's saying is, he's saying, husbands, you know what? You got a vacation coming up with your family and you need to take a vacation with your wife and leave your kids at home. Because a lot of us, we've replaced our wife with our kids. And, and here's the thing. Let, let me just tell you something about your kids. Like, hopefully they're only going to be with you a short period of time. For most of you, I mean, most of y'all don't want a 40-year-old still living at home. I mean, uh, like, nobody's like, man, I want to have kids. And when they're 55, they're, like, still hanging out of the house. And if you are, like, we'll talk afterwards. But, uh, you know, like, that's not what most parents are looking for. They're looking at, like, 18. They're going to go to school, and we're never going to see them again except for Christmas and Easter. And so uh, beyond that, maybe an occasional birthday, some phone calls, whatever. We like them. We don't want to see them all the time. Because here's the deal. You know who you're going to be stuck with after they leave? That person you married. So you might as well cultivate that relationship now instead of giving that love to everything else. Because we need to be fully committed to that person because we're just a steward of kids for a period of time and then they're on their own. But you made a lifetime commitment to that person forever. And so we need to fully commit to that relationship. It says guard yourself. It says don't give your best somewhere else. Don't give your best. Singles, Man, let me, let me talk to you here. Man, don't engage in sex without a commitment. Without marriage, that's commitment right there. I know a lot of you guys, you're, you're thinking, what? But that's, you know, that's like, what do you mean? How do, like, I don't understand that, TJ. How can, you know, what commitment? Commitment is moving in together. No, commitment is setting yourself up to fail in your relationship is what you're doing. Because they're getting your goodies without any commitment. They're getting the best part of you, and then they're going to toss you away. In fact, they say statistically, people that live together before they're married, their divorce rate is twice the, the level of a person who doesn't live with them beforehand. So you say, well, but, but i got to try them out. Like, how do I know that they're good at sex and stuff? Listen, let me just tell you the best way to know that somebody's, you want to have the best sex ever. Here's, here's the thing, singles. Don't have sex with anybody ever. Until you get married and that person you have sex with, I guarantee for the first time that you're married to, it's going to be the best sex you ever had. Because <laughs> that's how God intended it. He didn't intend for you to go try every person out so you can say, oh, because what happens then is you got all these bonds with these people. And then when you get with that person, you're always comparing them to somebody else. And what happens is in your heart, you're not fully committed to them. That's why God says, man, this is such an important element Two, relationships. We got to love them unconditionally. We got to commit to them fully. And then we got to encourage them continually. We've got to encourage them continually because connecting to the heart of the person is the key here. What we failed to do in our lives is so many of us, what we've done with sex is we've created it as an event, not a person. 
Like sex is just an event that, we, oh, we had sex. No, what we're doing is we're connecting to a person. We're not just going and we're not just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, we're done. And like, that was it. Like that two minutes was great because that's how long the average guy lasts according to statistics. That's an event. That's like a sprint, okay? That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for committing to a person. The greatest way we can commit to a person is, is we commit to them way before it ever gets to the bedroom. Because I want to tell you something, intimacy happens way before you ever get to the bedroom. Intimacy, the most intimacy is going to happen by how you speak to one another and by how you share with one another. It's, it's, it's about building the relationship, not just engaging in an act. Because an engaging in an act is just an emotional thing. But, but being involved in a re- relationship, man, takes time. And that is the number one enemy to us having great intimacy with another person. In fact, I found these quotes from women in, in a study that captured this so awesome. They said this, that one woman said this, I wish men could understand that if they took more time for emotional intimacy, then it would initiate physical intimacy more. Was, man, guys, you should be taking notes on that. Another one said, I'd like to have a partner who listens and talks and is not just interested in me for sex. Man, if you want to have a relationship that goes beyond just a physical thing, that, be, that goes to this level of love that is deeper, that is, that is a bonding thing, that is exactly what God intended for it to be, man, we've got to connect with them on a relational level. That's why 1 Corinthians tells us if you love someone, you will always believe in him and always expect the best of them. Thessalonians says, is therefore encourage one another and build each other up. I mean, it's important for us to be building and encouraging. And guys, this is really, really important. The words that you speak to your spouse are either going to breathe life into them or it's going to destroy them. And especially with women, I, I know that, that, that people think like, oh man, they're, they're tough. I mean, they, whatever. What a woman wants to hear more than anything else is that she is adored and loved by you. And that you can encourage her and you can build her up and that, that what she thinks about is important to you. Not just your, you go to your nothing box while she's talking and uh, you just respond with the grunts and stuff. That doesn't really work. Singles, let me say this to you. Like, man, encouraging people, you got to watch yourselves in this because this can really uh, push a relationship really fast. Because here's the thing that I know, is that a lot of people, if the, when they start getting some encouragement from the opposite sex, all of a sudden that doesn't become encouragement to them, that becomes flirting to them. Because we're so longing for somebody to appreciate and value us, that all of a sudden, man, the attraction level just escalates instantaneously. And what happens is, especially with women, is, is God start encouraging you or paying attention to you. And, and because they're speaking and they're telling you, man, you're beautiful, you're smart, you're, you're hearing all the things that you need to hear, all of a sudden you start the act of love. And this is the thing about love that, that singles need to re- recognize and realize is that when the act starts, whether that's holding hands, that's kissing, whatever, it was never intended to stop. It's one of the reasons why I tell single dudes that I'm talking to all the time now, like, they're like, man, I want to have a three-year engagement. I'm like, no, you don't, man. You'll screw up because you're starting the act of love, and, and it's going to roll faster and faster and faster, and you need, like, a two-month engagement. <laughs> For real, man. Like, I don't want you to jack this thing up. It's important. 
because it's really easy to go from first gear to fifth gear. Like you just jumped every gear and you're like, wow, yeah. And so it's going to demand satisfaction. The fourth thing is we have to serve them willingly. We have to serve them willingly. Scripture is clear that the way to make love work is to see and meet the needs of our spouse. It's to serve them. And it's, it's, it's saying, like, rather than my own needs, rather than my own desires, man, I'm going to look for your desires, and I'm going to do whatever it takes to meet those desires. And, and, and here's how it works best is when the other person has the same mindset, and they say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to meet their needs as well. I'm going to do whatever it takes. That's when it's the most healthy, when you're both committed to serving. Corinthians says this, the bearage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife and the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is the decision to serve each other, whether in bed or out. You want to take you want to take this back to the place of intimacy with God? You want to take this back to the place of, of serving God? Then we got to recognize that it's all about serving our spouse. And, and I don't know if you've recognized this or not, but men and women have some pretty drastic different needs. Um, you know, I, I was reading a survey that said men think a sexual thought every 20 to 30 seconds. Like, ladies, that should be really insightful to, to you. Like, you know what that means? That means they pretty much are thinking about sex all the time. Like, you just walked by, they thought about sex. Like, you just talked, they were thinking about sex. Wait for it. About another 10 seconds, they're thinking about it again. In fact, another study said, like, that men love sex on days that start with T. Tuesday. Thursday, today, tomorrow. They love it every day, okay? Any day. And this is real important for, for women that you understand this because ladies, rejecting your spouse when it specifically comes to, to sex um, can be pretty, pretty harmful. And, and I think that this is probably one of the main reasons for affairs, and I don't think it justifies affairs. I don't think that's a reason to go have an affair. In fact, it, like, there's no reason to go have an affair. Uh, but be careful, because when you receive him, it translates love physically, but it also, for a guy, it translates love emotionally. And so guys need that. Uh, and so when you reject him, it's not just a physical thing. He's not just looking at his physical psyche. He's looking at his emotional psyche. And man, it jacks dudes up. It jacks them up. And if you reject him too much, he'll start to feel like less and less of a man and he'll stop pursuing you and start pursuing somebody who will accept him. So it's a dangerous, dangerous game because that's one of the needs of God's and, and it's not an excuse, but it's 100% true. The secret to having great intimacy in your, in your marriage is, is understanding, women, that men are visual. And so when you wear a muumuu to bed, like, it isn't real visually stimulating for him, okay? Like, help the dude out. Guys, here's the deal. You want to have great intimacy with your wife? It doesn't happen physically. It happens with you going and doing the dishes and vacuuming the floor and, and go. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, you go and serve them and do things like that uh, physically that, that aren't physical towards them. That starts 
an intimacy there because you're serving and doing things that probably in most homes she's already doing, and you're saying, man, sweetheart, I want to help out with that. I want to do that. And also, in that, watch how you're talking, man. If you're, if you're constantly putting her down, you're going to shut her down emotionally. And she is never going to want intimacy with you. So you got to watch the words you're speaking because, guys, intimacy comes through the eyes. Girls, it comes through the ears. And so, guys, we got to understand that, man, what we're speaking to them, how we're encouraging them, how we're building up, the words that we're using are going to be critical in building intimacy in our relationships. We want to love God's way. And one of the ways we do that is we got to honor them respectfully. We have to honor them respectfully because here's the deal. They are not an object. They are a person. And one of the biggest problems in our society today is that we've, because we've become so visually stimulated through pornography, which is one of the biggest businesses, it's, they say every second, $375 is being made on pornography, which means a lot of people are doing it, and it's not just guys, it's girls. What happens is we've taken a person and we've made them an object. And when, we, when we've seen that, when we've experienced that, what we do is we take that into relationships, and instead of them being a person, they become an object for our pleasure. And all of a sudden, what we've done is we have jacked up that relationship. We've hijacked it, and all of a sudden, it is no longer a place where honor and respect come from, but it's a place where we're just demanding our needs to be met. And what we forget is that they are a person, not a toy for our satisfaction. I'll never forget this. I, one of the first churches I worked at is uh, I, I was talking with a, our youth pastor at the time, and, and I remember him telling this story in youth group one week where he was talking about sex, and he said, uh, you know, I'd grown up, and, and I'd experienced a lot of pornography and stuff in my life, and uh, after I got married, uh, I, I was having sex with my wife, and, uh, and, and she looked at me because of what I was trying to do, and she said, I'm not your porn star. Some of you guys, you're treating your wife like you're in a porno, trying to get off and meet your needs, and you're not respecting and honoring them. That's why Hebrews tells us marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. But TJ, I thought everything goes in marriage. No, it doesn't go. What goes is what's comfortable for the other person. And anytime you're making the, the act of intimacy uncomfortable, you're not honoring and respecting that person. And so what's okay in your marriage might not be okay in somebody else's marriage based on what they're comfortable with and what's honorable and respectable for them. And here's the deal. You know what? This is something you've got to talk about. One of the reasons, one of the biggest frustrations in relationships is sexual tension because nobody ever talks about what is good and what's bad and what's pleasurable and what's not. And we think, oh man, I'm just doing whatever and it's good. It's not. You need to have those conversations. You need to, you need to honor your spouse enough, whether you're a guy or a girl, to say, Listen, this isn't about me. This is about you. How can I make this better for you? And I know it just got really awkward right now, and we could probably hear a roach fart. I mean, it's so quiet, but... <laughs> like, we've got to honor that person in the relationship and respect them and show respect to our spouse. And the last one here, number six, really has nothing to do with another person. It has everything to do with you and yourself, and it's this. We gotta love God personally. We've got to love God personally because when you're in a right relationship with God, when you're in the right relationship with Him, it brings you in the right relationship with another person. 
We can never truly love somebody else until we truly experience the love that God has for us. And when we experience and know that love, then we can love people from that position of God's love. That's why 1 John 4, 7, and 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves God, or, or let me put it like this, or is a good lover, has been born of God and knows God. See, it goes back to that red book study of spirituality and sexuality, man. They go hand in hand. If you want to have great sex, man, you've got to have a great relationship with God. It says, whoever does not love God does not know God because God is love. And 1 John 4, 19 says this. We love because he first loved us. The reason we love is because God first loved us. And for some of us here, man, we've, we've taken sex outside the context of how God intended it to be. From maybe a lot of different perspectives, maybe from one of just understanding God's love and being able to express that to another person in the same way that he would express it. With intimacy and passion and respect and honor. Unconditionally, fully committed. Then others of us, we've just had a perverted view of it. Oh, we thought, man, this is, a, this is a conversation that we can't have, but this is the conversation we need to have. Because, man, if we can get this right, it's going to eliminate so many problems so that we can have the happily ever after that God always intended for you and I to have when it comes to our relationships. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Thank you.